right, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? I love that preview, so uh, it always gives me goosebumps every time I see it. I never get tired of watching it. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the staff pastors here. Pumped that you're worshiping with us today for this series, NCC at the Movies. I love stuff like this because movies are such a general language. Like everybody understands movies and, and watches movies, and so it's going to be really unique and fun to have the kids in here together, families and people coming together over the summer as we just look at truths that we can see just illustrated through different movies. And so today, as you saw, I am talking about the movie The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And a little bit about me, um, uh, so I am married to Aaron, the lead pastor. As he said, we've been here about five years. Uh, we have eight awesome kids, and they keep us su super busy. Six who are still at home. One who happens to be in the Marine Corps, we're going to go see him this week, and I'm so excited because he's graduating from in the infantry training school, and so we're going to get to spend some time with him. So that's awesome. So we have a crazy, fun, adventurous family, and um, we're talking about adventure today, about the secret life of Walter Mitty. And if you haven't seen this movie, don't freak out. I'm not going to spoil it for you, okay? I promise I will leave some mystery still there. Um, but I encourage you to check it out. It's one of Aaron's and my favorite movies. And I really think it's because it reminds us of this truth that is deep into our DNA, and that's that we were created for adventure. We were created to live extraordinary, adventurous lives. And uh, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to do that. Some of us aren't necessarily wired for that. And uh, I find it ironic that I'm the one teaching this specific message because I'm not a really adventurous person. No, I'm not an adventurous person at all. Um, I like life to be very predictable and planned. I know I've shared this before. You know I'm very type A. I like things to be in order, and I like to understand. I, I don't start on a trip without planning. Um, for this trip we're taking this week, I probably have three different notes with at least 20 different checklists, all of the itinerary written out, and we're working on the meal plan today. So everything is very detailed and planned, and that doesn't necessarily lend itself to adventure. Um, but about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, Aaron and I were um, going on a cruise for our 10th anniversary. And um, I never would have thought to go on a cruise. Some youth pastor friends, we were youth pastors at the time, they talked us into it. I'm super claustrophobic. They're like, I promise you're going to be okay. They gave us all the tips. And, um, and I was approaching my 30th birthday, so I was getting very philosophical, right? I'm looking at my life, and I'm like, I need to, like, challenge myself. So we're going to go on this cruise, and we're going to do some crazy things. There's, like, a climbing wall, and I'm deathly afraid of heights. Did the climbing wall, okay? So we get to our first port, and when Aaron's like, hey, let's not take a taxi. Let's just walk around the island. Just explore the island. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm, I'm adventurous. This is an adventure. And so we, we aren't even out of the cruise terminal before guys and people start coming up to us. Hey, come get in my car. Do you need a ride? Do you need something? And they're like all up in my face. And to some of you who travel internationally, you're probably like, yeah, that's how it is. I had never experienced this before. So my heart's like beating, and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And he's just like walking along, it, totally ignoring everyone. And I'm like trying to keep up, and, and, I, I, and I'm trying to tell them, hey, just, I'm sorry, I don't need it. And we're walking. So we make it through. And I think, that's the end. <laughs> and so we start walking. We think general direction. They told us on the ship there's this market that you can go to. And we see some other, like, touristy people. I mean, we stand out. I'm holding, like, beach towels and a bag. Like, people know we don't belong there. Uh, Aaron looks like he belongs everywhere, so everyone claims him. But I definitely don't belong there. And we're walking along, kind of see people, until we start getting to places that don't look touristy. 
you know, not quite as polished as the touristy areas. And then there's no touristy looking people anymore. There's only really shady looking people who are leaning against cars with tinted windows saying, do you need a ride? Do you need to get in? I can take you anywhere you want to go. Real cheap, real cheap, real cheap for you. you know? And I am, anxiety is rising up in my throat. I'm about to have a panic attack on a Caribbean island where things should be peaceful and relaxing. And he does not get it. He's like, I don't know, what are you freaking out for? It's like, just ignore them. I'm like, I can't just ignore them. They're like in my face. And so we have to stop in somewhere. We probably walked a mile and a half, two miles from the cruise terminal. Stop, get directions, go back. And I'm like, we're getting a taxi and we're going to the market right now. We're no more risking. Okay, and this is very typical for me uh, and very typical for Aaron. Aaron likes to fly by the seat of his pants and I like things to be very well planned. So yes, ironic that today I'm talking about living an adventure. Because, honestly, I know, life that is calculated and planned, first of all, is impossible. Uh, as much as I try, it's impossible to plan every single thing out. And it's just not always the way God designed us to live. He created you for adventure. He created you to experience things that challenge you and that stretch you. Some of us may be a little bit more than others. Um, and so this is a lesson that we can really clearly learn through this character, Walter Mitty. So check out a little clip here. Okay, some of you are thinking of people in your mind that you know are like that right now, <laughs> or maybe you're like, that's me. So we see this character, Walter Mitty, who lives a very normal, average life. Um, from the, the preview at the beginning, you can see he lives in a really gray, drab apartment. He goes to work at Life Magazine, where he works in the basement in a dark room with no windows. And when he meets this girl that he's kind of interested in, uh, instead of having a conversation with her or getting to know her, he starts a dating account that he doesn't even want to passively go around the awkwardness to get to know her. And when he's faced with the mundane normality of his life, his imagination kicks on. And he imagines, and w imagines what could be to escape what is. And a lot of us do this, sometimes maybe not as vividly as he does, but we live out this desire for adventure through movies, through TV, through other people. Um, we hide away and, and when God has created us to take chances because it just seems safer. And so we know when we're trying to live in control and safe environments, we know this is going to rise up in us because you were created for adventure. I love this quote about kind of why this happens to us. It's from G.K. Chesterton and it says, meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. We don't feel meaningless. We don't struggle with the meaning of life because we're overwhelmed by pain. We feel, that the, we feel meaningless because we achieve something that we thought was going to make us feel awesome. We get the house, we get the car, we get the kid, we have the family, we get married, and it lets us down. It's not what we thought it was going to be. And so we struggle back into this next quest for whatever is normal and expected when God created us to live an adventure. And when we do this, when we're so afraid to risk, we're afraid to take any chances, you're going to find yourself hiding. Some of us do it by imagining other lives where our spouse is perfect and no morning breath and our kids never talk back and we have magical fairies that clean our houses every day and we never have to clean poop off of anything ever never really happens. Some of us hide away in addictions. 
maybe to drug addictions, maybe addiction to TV, maybe addiction to food, addictions that try to numb the feelings that we have, whether they're good or they're bad. Some of us, we hide away by trying to create the, create the most predictable existence we can, micromanaging every person and everything, lining all of our lives up perfectly and constantly afraid that the littlest wind is going to knock our whole little kingdom to the ground. The good news is that we are absolutely not alone. This is a human problem, and as with all human problems, there are many examples in the Bible to follow. And actually, when I was researching this message, I was having a hard time choosing one character to focus on, because I'm like, there are so many people in here that God took out of really normal existence and called them into really crazy stuff. But one stood out to me specifically, and that was Abraham. So we're going to look into the life of Abraham. A lot of you are probably familiar with him, um, but we're going to look at the very beginning of Abraham's entrance into this story. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's Bibles all over under the seats. Grab your phone, Google it. Uh, scripture really shapes our lives. It changes us. And so we want to make sure each and every one of us is engaging with the scriptures on our own and also corporately together. So grab your Bible, Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to start right there at verse 1. And this is what it says. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. There's a whole sermon right there. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, his home. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and, his, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and, and they headed out and acquired Haran and set on to the land of Canaan. So here we see Abraham, pretty normal guy, okay? He's living where his grandparents lived, where his family lives, his cousin lives there, his aunts live there. Like, his family is established here. He's pretty well off financially. He's married. Um, so we see that he's a pretty successful man. And God comes to him and says, okay, I'm going to do something incredible with your life that you can't imagine. Here's the thing. I need you to leave everything that you know behind, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going just yet, but just start walking, and I'll show you the way as you go. Now, how many of us would respond positively <laughs> to that calling? That's challenging, because when we step out into faith like that, our faith is like a muscle, and it needs exercise, right? And when we, we want to live an adventure, it means exercising that faith. Well, the problem with that is, is that when we're relying on ourselves all the time, that faith muscle gets real weak because we think we can take care of everything and we can solve all our own problems, and then one day we don't have the faith to face something and we don't understand why because we're always living in our own strength instead of flexing that faith muscle. So Abraham leaves. Because sometimes you have to leave in order to receive. Sometimes you have to leave what you know, what you are most comfortable with, in order to receive the best thing that you could possibly get. And I think sometimes we walk around wondering why God hasn't come through in our lives, and it's because we are so busy clutching what we think that we need, what we want, that our hands are not open to receive what God has for us. My son came to me one day, and he's like, hey, mom, do you know, like, this is so cool. Uh, when your hand is closed, you can't just not give, but you can't receive anything. 
I was like, yes, that's right. That's exactly right. That's a good illustration because when we are clutching onto something, not only are we not giving, but our hands are not open to receive whatever the best thing is for us that God knows and God has for us. So why then would we choose that way of living? <laughs> why would we continue to try to do things on our own and try to hold on to the things that we know for sure won't satisfy us? Well, it's because of fear. It's because of fear. Because fear is a poor master. Fear is a poor master. If you just skip down a few verses in that chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, down to verse 10, we look a little bit further on. Now, Abraham has journeyed out, right? And he's been going through all these different lands, and God's been speaking to him, and he's been setting up altars, demonstrating this crazy awesome faith. Well, verse 10, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to, to live there, for the famine was really severe. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he says to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. If every man would just start a conversation in that way. <laughs> I know you're a woman, beautiful in appearance. Thank you, thank you. Um, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. So just say you're my sister so that it'll go well with me because of you, and my life may be spared for your sake. So Abraham has this crazy awesome faith that's wandering all over the desert, but when it comes to facing Egypt with a beautiful wife, something in him breaks, and he lies. Now, I don't know why this is such a big deal for Abraham, but we know it is a big deal because this isn't a one-time thing. Abraham does this multiple times in the scripture, lies about his wife. He's afraid about her being beautiful. So I don't know why that's a big deal, but... I think sometimes we just walk in fears that don't necessarily seem rational to other people because fear is a poor master. And here's the thing. We can either live our lives led by fear or led by faith. We cannot be led by both at the same time, either fear or by faith. And when we live led by fear, I can guarantee you we are going to miss out on whatever it is that God has for us. We're going to miss out when we're letting fear lead our lives. So Walter Mitty, our little character, he has some fears too. So we're going to catch up with him. Let me preface this. So you saw at the preview that he works for Life Magazine. Does anyone in this room actually remember Life Magazine? Am I that old for reals? Goodness gracious. It was a great magazine once upon a time, okay? And Walter Mitty has been working, at, he works with photographers, okay? And he develops pictures, and they're making this final print piece, this final magazine, and he's responsible for the cover photo. Huge, huge, huge deal, right? So I'm going to just push time, uh, pause for a second for all the little youngsters in the room. So if you're under the age of probably 22, this is for you. Pictures didn't used to be available on electronic devices. They used to be on this stuff that's called film, and it was like this paper that was brown, and you had to put it into a camera. And when you took a picture, it was like on this brown stuff. And then they had to take that, and they had to do all this crazy stuff to it until you finally got a picture you could put on your wall, okay? So now you know. So this is what Walter Mitty is responsible for. So this makes sense now as to why he cannot find this picture, and he's panicking. He can't just send an email and get a picture. He needs to find this film. And so he goes on this this seeking adventure to try to find the photographer because he thinks if I can find the photographer, maybe he's got it in his bag or something. The problem is the photographer is this crazy adventurous dude who flies around the world taking crazy pictures that make him famous, and Mitty is a normal guy. And so he ends up finding out that he's in Greenland, and he thinks, okay, 
go to Greenland. I gotta go to Greenland. I can do this. And so he flies to Greenland. He lands. And as soon as he gets there, he finds out, oh, he's not here anymore. He's actually on a ship in the middle of the ocean. And the only way for you to get there is to get on this helicopter and go get dropped. And he's like, yeah, no. Yeah, uh, this is the end of my adventure. And this is where we find him right here in this clip. All right, are any of you like that? When you get afraid, you're like, I just need the right song on. And I can't get, get. So his fear is completely rational, right? Okay, I would not want to jump onto a helicopter. I wouldn't want to jump out of a helicopter. I don't know if I'd want to ride in a helicopter. So it's a rational fear, but it's fear nonetheless, and it's not leading him in a good direction, and fear won't lead us well either. So why do we fear? Like all things, I researched because that's just how I am. And so I love this, this lady, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you've never seen anything of hers, she is a, let me get this out, a cognitive neuroscientist um, who's a really strong Christian and has these crazy, incredible things that she's discovered through research. So I encourage you to check out her books and her website. But she's done a lot of research on fear and like the real reason that our brains fear things. And here are a couple things she said. First, Research shows that fear, all by itself, no other emotions involved, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 different hormones in our bodies. Crazy. Even crazier. Every person, every day, average, has over 30,000 thoughts in a day. How many of those thoughts are led by fear? And how much is that hurting us physically and mentally and spiritually, because fear is a poor master. So if, if we're not meant to fear, then why do we fear? Well, she would say fear is learned. We are not actually born with fear. Infants aren't born with fear. You can actually see it develop in their brains because we were created to love and perfect love casts out all fear, but our love with our creator is broken. And so fear enters that equation and they can't coexist together. And this is really close to my heart, honestly, because fear has had a hold on me for a really long time in really deep ways. Um, when I was a kid, some of you know a little bit of my story, but um, my family went through some really tumultuous times when I was in grade school. And um, in sixth grade, within a year and a half span, every single thing in my life that had been solid was ripped away. My family fell apart. My parents completely changed. The church wasn't there anymore. My dad had always been a pastor. We moved houses multiple times. I had nothing solid in my life. And as it all began, I started having the most terrible nightmares. Um, so bad that as a sixth grader, I would stay up for as many days as I could just to avoid going to sleep. I was so afraid of sleep. And one night, I finally figured out that if I left the lights on and I played any sermon, some kind of sermon, about the Bible on this tape recorder that I could fall asleep. But even that went away. In a couple months we moved and my tape recorder was lost and I found myself again on a night where there was no one around and I was desperate and I was crying and I'm like, God, I just don't know what to do. I have to sleep. And uh, by a miracle of Jesus, I found this little Smurf FM radio, like the old school ones that only get FM. And I don't even, I really don't know where it came from. I have no idea how it got into my house, except that Jesus gave it to me. And I took it up to my room. I'm 12 years old, and the first channel I find is gospel music. And I will never forget laying in my bed with tears, like, flowing down my cheeks. And I just had this realization that 
when everything else was a mess, I still had Jesus. And if I could just keep my eyes on him, if I could just keep my focus on him, fear had no control over my life. And I would love to tell you that fear died that day and I never felt afraid again. But the truth is, I've discovered over the years that as I allow other things, other people, even my husband or my family or anything else into that space that is only created for me and God, when I take my eyes off him and I try to make other things essential, fear enters my life again. Because I'm only meant to be led by and devoted to one person and he is the thing that my soul needs the most. Fear is a poor master and we have to let it go because you are a hero in God's story. This is the truth. You are a hero in God's story. And sometimes, you guys, heroes do some crazy, scary, dangerous, adventurous things like Walter Mitty. One more clip. Okay, so who is that guy? Because that is not the Walter Mitty we saw at the beginning of the movie. He has completely changed. What happened? He realized he could be the hero. He could take that role and take charge and find the thing and go on the adventure and, and solve the problems. He could be the hero. And the truth is, you guys, you all are heroes in God's story. You got to stop living like you're nobody because you're not. You're not a minor character in God's story. You are a hero in God's story. He has made you unique and individual. There is no one on this earth that is like you. Not one person with your unique talents and gifts that God planted in this time with a purpose and a plan. You are no accident, okay? Your life is not some kind of a mess. God has a plan and you are a hero. So start living like one. Start living like a hero because God has got your back. He has got you. And this is the problem is sometimes we like to play the other roles. We want to be the author, the writer of our own story, but we're not. We're not the author. We're not the planner. Jeez, guys, I would love it. I tell God this every, every day. I would love it if he would give me a five-year plan. Just five years. I'm not asking for all. Just five-year plan. Where am I going to be in five years? He doesn't. You want to know why? Because living an adventure means relying on our guide. When Abraham left, he didn't know exactly where he was going, but he knew he had a voice to listen to. And that's what living adventure looks like. That's what living like a hero looks like. It's not taking some crazy trip around the world. Maybe God tells you to do that. It's not jumping on and off helicopters, thank you, Jesus. But it is living in reliance and obedience to God's voice every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. And can I tell you, personally, <laughs> what this has looked like for me? Uh, years ago, you guys know, we were foster parents. And I've shared a little bit before, but our first foster placement was what they call in the business as the worst case scenario. And it's because there were four kiddos that were coming from a homeless shelter, so no one had real data on them. Nobody really knew what was going on. And when we got them, they were extremely psychiatric and had lots of symptoms. And I was getting literally beat up every day and cussed at. And it was extremely difficult. And that was four months. And the kids went home with their dad. And it was an incredible story, an incredible blessing that we got to be connected with their dad and, and really work in those kids' lives. But honestly, after that, I was like waving the white flag. Okay, Jesus, I did it. I did what you told me to do. Think that's the end of this adventure. Let's move on to a new one. And, uh, and I remember very clearly sitting in my living room, and our four bios are playing, just normal, doing normal stuff. 
And I knew, I was like, Jesus, this is too easy. Now you might laugh, I have four kids. Easy? It was too easy. I knew we were called for more. I knew we were called to do something difficult, something that would cost us, something that was challenging. And thank God we listened because God brought us these three awesome blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids that are our babies, and I can't imagine life without them. And it hasn't been easy. It's been an adventure, and it has cost us. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And we can look at Romans chapter 4, verse 13, just to close up. This is the legacy Abraham left. This is, this is what he leaves to you, and this is what we can leave to those that we leave one day. Thousands of years after Abraham lived, this is what they write of him. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law. In other words, it didn't come through him being perfect. It came through the righteousness of faith. In hope, he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He didn't weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead because he was 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God before the promise came through. Before he saw the fruit of his obedience, he gave glory to God and it strengthened his faith. He was fully convinced that God would do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But those words were not written for his sake alone, but for our sake as well. God created you to live a faith filled adventure. Don't settle for normal. Don't settle for safe. It might cost you. You might not live in the same house you've always lived in. God might take you to places you didn't think you would go. I didn't think I'd be back in Texas, but look where I am. God leads us places and into crazy awesome adventures that are more incredible than we could ever imagine because God's been planning your life since before you were a twinkle in your parents' eye. He's been thinking about you and planning for you for a long, long time, longer than you've been planning for yourself. So leave behind the comfortable so you can receive something that's eternal. Don't let fear be your master and step into your calling as the hero in God's story.